1: It's Live in the Bream with host of Fox News at Night, Shannon Bream.
0: This week on Live in the Bream, one of my most favorite, most interesting people that I know. Greg Laurie is the senior pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in Riverside, California. They've actually got a couple branches, one of the largest churches in America. Get this, he's written more than 70, that's seven zero books. He's got a uh, syndicated radio program, A New Beginning. He's got a weekly television show on TBN. He's on the board of directors of the Billy Graham Evangelical Association, Evangelistic Association. He and his wife, Kathy, are the parents of two, grandparents of five. He's one of the coolest guys you will ever meet. Greg, for joining us. uh, We appreciate it on Living the Brain.
1: Well, Shannon, thanks for having me on now. It may be true I've written 70 books. However, I have never had a book on the best-selling list like you, having (laughs) two at once. So when that happens, that'll be something. But for now, I just write books.
0: (laughs) And you hold huge, um, you know, harvest, uh, you know, organization, um, crusades, I guess is the best word. I'm not sure of the word that you like to use for the gatherings, but these are giant gatherings and hoping to be bringing people to faith and encouraging them. And um, you kind of do everything.
1: Well, there's a lot of things I'm interested in doing, you know, a long time ago when I came to Christ at the age of 17, you know, my life was changed and I wanted to share it with others. And in fact, and I've mentioned this to you. Uh, a film has already been shot called Jesus Revolution that will release next year. It's a feature film done by the Irwin brothers. It tells the story of how I came to faith, how I met my wife, Kathy. We're getting ready to celebrate 50 years of marriage together and, uh, and how I, we started our ministry. But more, it's more about the Jesus movement, which was the last great spiritual awakening in America. But, you know, I wasn't raised in the church, Shannon. I was just raised as a typical kid in front of the television set. And I've always had an interest in pop culture. And I'm always looking for ways to build bridges from my faith as an evangelist to people that live in the same world I live in and speak in a language they'll understand. And that's why I write books like this latest one.
0: Yes. And this brand new book is Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus, the spiritual biography of rock and roll. And you do have such an interesting take on, you know, the people of the church don't have to be afraid of being knowing about culture. I mean, how far we go in our involvement with it is one thing, but gosh, you are interested in so many different things. And when I look at the cover of this book, I am not surprised. This is something you would tackle, but what was your thought process in this?
1: Well, I look at it this way. You know, as the church, we're not called to evade, we're called to invade. We're not called to isolate, we're called to infiltrate, which means go to where people are. You know, Jesus did not say that the whole world should go to church, but he did say the church should go to the whole world. So I look at it this way. In the book of Acts, it's a story of the Apostle Paul going to a place called Mars Hill. There was the Areopagus, which was like the town square. And that's where people would get up and give their ideas, and the philosophers and others would sit and listen. And he spoke in a language that people understood. He even mentioned their uh, penchant toward the worship of many gods, and he even quoted one of their secular philosophers to build a bridge, and then he brought them the gospel. So, in this book, Lennon, Dylan, Alice, and Jesus—I'm taking iconic figures. From the world of rock and roll, John Lennon, Bob Dylan, Alice Cooper. Uh, I talk about Prince. I talk about Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin. I talk about modern artists like Justin Bieber and Kanye West. Uh, We kind of go over the gamut of these people and we look at the course their lives take. Because, you know, your show is called Living the Brain, right? (laughs) Well, these guys (laughs) were living the dream, the rock and roll dream. And it turned out to be a nightmare. I have a chapter in this book called The 27 Club. Have you ever heard of that?
0: Yes, only because you told me about it.
1: Okay, well, there you go. Well, The 27 (laughs) Club is a group of uh, rock artists who all tragically died at the age of 27. a number of them closely together, Brian Jones of the Rolling Stones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Choplin, uh, all died at that early age, Jim Morrison of the Doors. But then fast forward, Uh, Kurt Cobain, the lead singer of Nirvana, then fast forward again, Amy Winehouse, such talented people uh, losing their life. And basically, it was the same story told over and over again. You know, they're they're young artists, they have a talent, they make their way to the top, they hit mega success, they have everything one would hope for, and it turns into a nightmare and they turn to drugs, alcohol, perhaps both. Some die by suicide, Cobain died by suicide. Others died of drug overdoses. So I'm kind of looking at the ascension of rock, starting with the roots of rock and roll. Uh, Jerry Lee Lewis, Carl Perkins, Johnny Cash, Elvis Presley were kind of the founders of rock. And then how it exploded into the 60s, how it starts going really dark, you know, in this 27 club in the late 60s, early 70s. But then I talk about some of these rock artists that I've gotten to know personally, who come to faith in Christ, and their lives are changed.
0: How does that work? Because listen, you put it out there, it's sex drugs and rock and roll. I mean, these people are living, some of them in depravity and as you said, things that the world would think they've got everything that they could want, fame, fortune, groupies, the whole whole nine yards. Right. How does that how do they go from that to a life of faith?
1: Well, actually, you know, when you don't have it You think if I had it, I'd be happy. I always see this reflected with young people today with social media. Their objective is how can I get more followers uh, on my social media Mm -hmm. platforms? What can I do to get more attention? And they measure success by followers and maybe it's monetized to some degree. and, And they're like a, you know, sort of an influencer personality type. And I've even read recent stories of some very young people in their 20s who were very successful in the social media world who took their own lives. And so what happens is you climb to the top and you find out there's nothing there. So these people get to the top. They see how empty it is because before that, oh, if I had to mention or multiple homes or a yacht or the Mercedes or the Bentley or the, you know, the adulation of thousands of people, then they get it. And then they realize that's not the answer. And that's why so many of them turn to drugs because they're trying to maintain that kind of euphoric, high they first experienced when they had their first success and you can't maintain it. And so I, I, you know, this is biblical. I mean, you can read the book of uh, Ecclesiastes written by King Solomon. (laughs) He was the forerunner of all these things. He was famous. He was powerful. He was wealthy. Uh, He built whatever he wanted. He had everything a person could want. And he said, everything was empty. In fact, the word that he uses for emptiness is a word that can be translated, the bubble that bursts. And I just read an interesting headline uh, on a news site, and it said, the the bubble is bursting. And it was talking about an economic bubble. And I thought, wow, that's that same phrase that Solomon used so many years ago. These things will not satisfy you because you're designed to have a relationship with God. Sorry to speak so long. You ask a preacher a question, you get a sermon.
0: We love it. It's like a little mini sermon for each question. We love sermon. it.
1: <laughs> um,
0: anything that surprised you specifically about these rock artists that you dug into their lives, anything new yeah. you found? Because listen, you're pretty knowledgeable, but was there anything you didn't know?
1: Yeah, quite a few things, actually. Um, let me talk about a couple of the main characters, John Lennon, as example. Of course, uh, John Lennon uh, was a member of the Beatles, really the the founder, the leader of the Beatles, uh, and at the peak of their popularity, he made his famous statement: "The Beatles are are more influential uh, than Jesus is. More, you know, more impactful on the lives of young people." And there was a lot of pushback, and there were a bunch of people that were burning the records of the Beatles because, you know, they're saying, you know, no, Jesus, the Beatles aren't more popular than Jesus. But in reality, Shannon, at that point historically, for many young people, myself included. The Beatles were more popular than Jesus, and, and it's because they became idols to us. Well, Lennon goes on in his life, and, and he made a lot of controversial statements, but there's a moment in time where John Lennon asked Jesus Christ to come into his life. He made a public profession of faith, and he wrote two overt gospel songs that you can find on YouTube if you Google it, And but this was short-lived. And then he seemed to leave it completely. And then toward the end of his life, there are some little hints in some of his songs and lyrics that he was almost open to it again. So here's what I simply present. John Lennon made a profession of faith. Was it it real? I don't know. Uh, But he did say Christ came into his life when he was tragically shot by Mark David Chapman uh, there in front of the Dakota uh, complex where he lived. He was alive. He survived, but not for long. And as they were driving him to the hospital in the police car, the officer asked John, do you know who you are? He says, I do. If John had called out to Jesus in the last moments of his life, the Lord surely would have heard his prayer, just as he heard the prayer of the thief on the cross. I begin this book with, with this statement. There'll be three surprises when we get to heaven. Number one, some of the people we thought would be there won't be there. Number two, some of the people we never thought would be there will be there. Number three, we'll be there. So I'm not saying John was a Christian at the end. I don't know. He made a profession of faith. And if he called out to Christ, the Lord heard his prayer.
0: We'll have more Live in the Bream in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. We are talking with Pastor Greg Laurie about his brand new book, Lennon, Dylan, Alice and Jesus, the spiritual biography of rock and roll. Okay, so my next question is this: people who are church people, Christians, why would they be interested in this book?
1: Yeah, great question. And and I thought that, that, man, if I write this book, I'm concerned that a lot of Christians will think, why would I want to read a book like this? So here's the big message of the book. No one is beyond the reach of God. You know, we all know someone that you can't even imagine ever putting their faith in Christ. They're so hard against the truth of the gospel. They're always the first person to start an argument about anything concerning faith. And, and, you know, it's been said when you throw a rock into a pack of dogs, the one that barks the loudest is the one that got hit. Sometimes the ones that argue the loudest are closer to coming to faith than the person who is passive and even quite pleasant about it. And so I'm showing through the lives of these people that no one is beyond the reach of God. I mean, going back to the Bible, no one even believed that Saul of Tarsus, the Christian killer, had become a believer, but indeed he had. And it's hard for people to wrap their mind around the fact that Alice Cooper, who was really the forerunner of shock rock, the guy who showed up on stage with the snake wrapped around his neck and the eye makeup and all the rest of it, not only became a Christian, but he's been walking with the Lord for some 25 years. Alice's real name, Vincent fernier that's a stage name, Alice Cooper, could have easily been another rock statistic. He had a, a, a rock of cocaine the size of a softball, and he was basically going to take his own life by just continuing to snort that cocaine. And he had a, he looked in the mirror and he saw blood coming out of his eyes. Alice told me, I'm not sure if that was really happening or if I was hallucinating, but I knew if I stayed in this course, I would die. And he called out to Jesus. Surprising fact about Alice Cooper. He's a son of a preacher. (laughs) So (laughs) he was truly the prodigal son. And ultimately he recommitted his life to the Lord and he returned to the Lord. So for a Christian, they need to know that this can be a great tool to share with someone they know that is not a believer and maybe is a fan of rock music. But number two, as they read it, they'll see that God is at work in a powerful way in unexpected places in the lives of unexpected people.
0: Mm -hmm. So you've written about all kinds of pop and culture icons, including in this book. Who would you want to have dinner with?
1: Oh, that's a great question. Hmm. Oh, my. Uh, Oh, I suppose if I had to pick, you mean of all the books I've written or this book in particular? Yeah. All your books. Oh, I'd say Johnny cash for sure. Yeah. Cause ah. I wrote a whole book on Johnny and Johnny and we're doing a documentary film on him right now. And Johnny was such a colorful character. And uh, I, I, I love the very tonality of his voice. Uh, I, I loved his singing. You know, he transcends musical styles you know, there's rock music, there's country music, and then there's Johnny Cash. He's his own category. And so certainly I would like to sit down with Johnny and, and have some um, food with him, some good Southern food, of course, probably fried chicken and okra and, you mm. know, and all those good corn. Can bread. I invite myself? Yes, yes. You can be there.
0: <laughs> Sheldon and, and I will can, come.
1: <laughs> we can all live the bream together. Um,
0: yes, we can.
1: But John Lennon would be my second guy because, you know, my heart just went out to this guy. His His mother abandoned him. He was raised by a rather austere aunt named Aunt Mimi. Uh, His father abandoned him. And really, this affected him throughout his life. And I understand that because my mother was an alcoholic who was married and divorced seven times. and kind of took me along for her wild ride. I never knew my biological father. So I think I could, you know, connect in that way. And I wish I could have just shared the gospel with John. And helped him to grow in the faith that he had made a commitment to. And so off the top of my head, that's the two I'd like to talk to. One of the books I wrote about Billy Graham, I got to know him very well. And it was such a pleasure and an honor. And he was such a warm, humble, and godly man.
0: Mm-hmm. You have, like I said, many fantastic books on all kinds of different topics, no matter what you're interested in. Greg Laurie has probably written something (laughs) that you would be interested in reading. And I love it because it's all over the place. We've talked about this at the beginning about how important you think it is for people to be aware of pop culture for not everybody. It's going to be their thing that they want to engage in, but it is important for some of us um, in the church to be engaged in these things. And really, you know, the idea of pop culture played a huge part of your story, um, in that whole Jesus revolution and what was happening out West in the sixties and seventies. And, um, is that why you think you're so attuned to that? Because you know what it meant in your own life?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's why, because I never went to church. The only thing I knew about Jesus literally was watching movies on television. Uh, I always admired Jesus in my own way. I believed in Jesus, at least what I knew about him. I thought of him as a historical figure, and perhaps he was out there somewhere. And on my high school campus, a a man came and preached the gospel, and I happened across this little Christian meeting. So in a way, it invaded my world. And I don't know that I would have ever darkened the doorway of of a church prior to that, but my life was changed, and I was cynical, and I was hard uh, against these things because of the way I had been raised. I had to learn how to be guarded, to take care of myself, defend fend for myself, in many ways to be a parent to my own mother, because she was so irresponsible. She would drink and pass up pretty much every night. And so, you know, I, I felt like I was 70 when I was 17. And so when I heard this message about Jesus and a relationship with him, I thought, I don't think this is true. But the problem was there were people I knew who I used to party with who had become Christians, and I saw the change in their life. And so I prayed, God, if you're real, make yourself real to me. And he did. You know, I didn't have an emotional experience on the day I put my faith in Jesus, but I started seeing the changes on the inside. And these were changes I knew I was not making. God was changing my outlook. It was sort of like going from black and white to color. Uh, you know, and it was a whole new dimension. And so I've always wanted to share this with other people who are cynical like I am or skeptical like I still am to some degree and, and help them to see that we're not just pushing a bunch of laws and, and rules and, and even religion. We're talking about a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, and there's a big difference there.
0: There is, and I think some people think there does have to be a big fancy prayer and conversion and all of these things, um, but everybody's experience is different in yeah, coming to Christ. True. And yeah, um, you cast a very wide net, so people will feel welcome so that you'll understand the world around you and be engaged and be involved in it. Um, how can people keep up with you, uh, your ministry, your books? How can they learn more?
1: Well, thanks very much. Uh, the best way you can follow me on social media, I'm on Twitter, just Greg Laurie. I also am on uh, Instagram and Facebook and you can order this book at amazon.com. It's already trending as the number one rock biography and it hasn't even shipped yet. So it's out in the very near future. Uh, and I hope you'll get a copy, Lennon, Dylan, Alice and Jesus and read it and then maybe share it with somebody. So If you're a fan of rock, I think you're going to love this book. I just got my first official review on Goodreads by some lady named Melinda who said, I couldn't put it down. Well, that's what I want to hear. I hope that you'll read it, enjoy it and pass it on to someone else. And Shannon, thank you for having me on your podcast as well.
0: Listen, I have to say you mentioned Twitter. I would tell folks, this is one of my favorite follows on Twitter is Greg Laurie. It's thought provoking. It's encouraging. It's inspiring. Just the way that you look at the world and the, the way that your tweets then cause me to look at myself Mm -hmm. and my circumstances and the people around me. um, It's just always a good dose of what I need for the day when I see your tweets. I mean, I got to think that's part of your idea of engaging in culture.
1: Yeah. we you know, Twitter is a place where you know people like to argue a lot and, yes, and they very, do. I have very strong you know political views but but when I go on Twitter, I don't know that I'm going to convince anyone to come to my particular point of view on this issue or that issue, but what I try to do is inspire encourage and point people to god and, and it's not that I don't have a lot of opinions on a lot of things, but I kind of try to stay in that lane but there's other issues that come up that you know, like the topic of, you know, abortion, where I've been speaking out quite a bit about it. And the reason is it's personal to me, Shannon, because my mom got pregnant outside of wedlock. I could have easily been an abortion statistic. She was a single woman, but she decided to carry me to term. And so when I talk about the topic of the subject of life, or an unborn child, this to me is not a political subject. This is something I believe is a, a issue of right and wrong. And so I I will I speak out on that and a lot of other things. But my main thing is to tell people that there's a God in heaven who loves them. Offer a word of encouragement to the Christian. Give them a scripture, a little truth to think about. And, uh, and Twitter forces me to limit my words, which is probably good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, listen, I think we can all use more of that positive input on Twitter, and certainly I take it as a great deal of encouragement. Pastor Greg Laurie, congrats on the new book, and uh, great to talk with you.
1: Thanks, Shannon. See you soon.